You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's tough to come up with the words for what transpired at Fenway Park last night. The Red Sox gave a game away. They should have won that game. There is no question about it. But because they don't have a real major league first baseman right now, they lost that game. That's the bottom line. Now, can other guys be better? Certainly. Tanner Howe cannot be throwing cement mixers in the ninth inning. Nathan Evaldi's got to get better. We'll get to Nathan Evaldi in just a second here. But the major thing last night is the Franchi Cordero situation. And I don't want to just go hard at Franchi Cordero because he's not supposed to be playing first base. We all know this. The organization screwed this up in the offseason where they thought, hey, Bobby Dahlback, We feel good about what he did at the end of the year, so he can play 80 to 85% of the games, and then we'll keep Travis Shaw around, and Travis Shaw can play once in a while when we give Dahlback a day off against a good righty. The reality is Travis Shaw was done. He was cooked. He can't play anymore, and Dahlback was absolutely horrible at the beginning of the season. Now, great to see Dahlback hit a pair of home runs last night and drive in five. That was great, and I hope he can get hot. But the problem was the Red Sox looked at that stretch that Dahlback had last season and said, hey, maybe we can duplicate that this year. Not to that extent, but they thought he could play, basically be their everyday first baseman. And man, did they misjudge that because Dahlback has been a really bad player for the majority of the season, defensively and offensively. So the organization really screwed itself prior to the season by not getting another real major league compliment to Bobby Dahlback. And now you're in a situation where Shaw was so bad, so your left-handed platoon there at first base, you needed to bring up Franchi Cordero. Now, he hit a little bit, of course, when he first came up, but what's worse right now is he cannot play the position whatsoever. So I understand their idea with Cassis, right? So they said at the beginning of the season they weren't going to rush Cassis up, and I totally understand that. I'm on board with that. We've seen some of these minor league players come up AAA guys, and they are overmatched. Think about Duran last year when he came up completely overmatched. Jeter Downs, obviously not the same level of prospect as Tristan Cassis, but he's completely overmatched. Even a guy like Brian Bayo, the top pitching prospect in the organization, he does not look ready for the moment right now, right? He's having real issues with his command. They didn't want to bring him up this year, or at least at this point in the season, but the reason he's up is you have all these injuries. So I'm, I'm totally okay with waiting on Tristan Cassis and making sure that he progresses. Totally okay with that. But what I, and then he had the high ankle sprain, which added to it, right? So they're still waiting on him. At some point, he's going to be up, but you got to give the kid time. So I'm okay with that. My issue is, how could you come into the season banking on what Dahlback did at the end of last year and Travis Shaw, and then panic and put Franchi at first because you do not have another option? That, to me, is just front office malpractice. It's as if they don't believe that first base is a real position. And yesterday, Heim Bloom did a press conference in the dugout prior to the game. He talked to all the beat reporters, and he mentioned the fact that they're trying to win with this group, and I just reject that notion. If you were really legitimately trying to win with this group, you would have had a better situation at first base. There's no way you can convince me they went all in to try to win with this group. Now, I understand they didn't say they went all in, but they didn't do enough to help this core. In the first base situation... If you're Heim Bloom today, and if you're the Red Sox as an organization, you have got to be embarrassed. 
You have the worst first base situation in Major League Baseball. And last night, that was not a Major League performance from this team. And it's because you got a guy, like I said, I don't want to go hard at Franchi Cordero. It's not his fault. He's not a first baseman. But you're playing this guy out of position. You're completely disrespecting first baseman across the sport by putting Franchi Cordero out there because he can't play and it burns you a game. Now, it's not the only reason you lost, but it's a major reason you lost last night. You think about the Franchi situation. I don't know what he was doing there in the eighth inning when Schreiber was out there. He doesn't understand the position yet, so he's roaming all the way over to second base and he can't make a play, of course. He gets totally out of position because he doesn't play the position, so he doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing. Even Cora, after the game last night, talked about after the game, he essentially said that he's still learning the position. Well, if this team's really trying to make the postseason, why do you have a guy playing first base that's trying to learn the position? It's an absolute joke. And the fact that you have to have your catcher out there, and look, Vasquez has been fine out there. I'm not, like, criticizing Vasquez. But the fact that your everyday catcher, when he gets a day off behind the plate, has to go out there and play first base. It should tell you all you need to know. There's a couple of other plays in this game, too, in terms of Franchi Cordero at first base. So, first of all, he should have made the play. A normal first baseman makes the play on the Quan double. It's not technically an error, but a normal first baseman makes that play, and that made it a 4-2 to two game. And then you think about the first inning. He had two errors on the same play, or the second inning, I should say, whatever that was. Early in the game, he had the two errors on the same play on the Jones play, where he boots it, and then he throws it away like it's a fadeaway jump shot or something along those lines. I don't know what he was doing. And I felt bad for the player. I really did. I legitimately felt bad for Franchi Cordero because part of running an organization is putting guys in a position to succeed. And Heim Bloom has put Franchi Cordero in a position to fail. And to me, that's just not your job. That is unbecoming of a guy running a front office where you're legitimately putting a guy out there when you know the odds of him failing are pretty high. It's embarrassing right now. And I feel bad for Franchi. You look at the first base situation. So Paul Goldsmith, think about this. He has one error in 678 innings. Reese Hoskins has seven errors in 814 innings. Nathaniel Lau, or Lowe rather, seven errors in 779 innings. Franchi Cordero has eight errors in 299 innings. That's the second most in the sport. The guy who is last is Josh Bell. He has nine errors in 855 innings. So think about this. Franchi, eight errors, 299 innings. Josh Bell, nine errors, 855 innings. That's how bad it's been at first base for Franchi Cordero. Of course, he got the hat trick last night, which gets those numbers up. Congratulations, the hat trick. I, I, I haven't watched a game where a first baseman makes three errors. I know it's happened. I just have never actually witnessed it. I mean, that was horrible. I feel legitimately bad for the guy. But this is what happens when you take certain positions for granted. And the front office was burned on a day that Bloom saying we're trying to win with this group. That was an absolutely atrocious look. And then you look at it, okay? So this is now something that I've noticed is a trend with Bloom and his teams. So if you go from 16 to 19, in terms of first base defense, defensive run saved, well, the Red Sox were 12th in baseball with nine. The Rays, when Bloom was in Tampa, were 24th at negative 16. Okay, if you look at errors in that same stretch, the Red Sox were 4th, which is 29. The Rays were 23rd with 41. So the Red Sox, prior to Bloom getting here, they had a pretty good defensive situation at first base. Now, if you look at it from 20 to 22, defensive run saved. The Red Sox are 30th at negative 21. So dead last in all Major League Baseball, 21 since Bloom took over. If you look at errors, the Red Sox are 30th there at 31. So the Red Sox, good defensively at first base prior to Bloom getting here, 
after Bloom takes over the position, they have legitimately been, unequivocally, the worst first base defensive situation in the entire sport, and you can't argue to the contrary. Then you look at it, too, just this year in particular, they are 30th in defensive runs saved at first base at negative eight. And the problem, too, is you're not even getting the punch that you would get, say, hypothetically from a Schwarber or something. You're not getting no, you're not getting any production, really, offensively. 203 batting average, that's 29th. 278 on base percentage, that's 27th. 351 slugging percentage, that's 28th. 629 OPS, that's 28th. The strikeout rate is now at 32.3%, that is 30th. 15.1% swinging strike rate, rather, that's 30th. That basically just the amount of pitches where you actually get a swinging strike, 15.1%. That is ridiculous. And they're called strike plus whiff rate, so how often are you getting either a called strike or a whiff? It's at 31.3%. That is 30th in Major League Baseball. So Bloom has just completely ignored the first base situation for the first couple of years here in his tenure here running the Red Sox, and it's a complete debacle. And last night, that's not good enough. This is the Boston Red Sox, and that's your situation at first base. That is unbelievably embarrassing to me that that's what the Red Sox are trotting out at first base, and it continues to happen, and you're trying to convince us you're trying to win, and that's your first base situation. It is just unacceptable, and I don't understand why. He doesn't respect the position. The numbers would tell you that in Tampa. I don't understand why he doesn't think this is a real position. Somebody's going to tell me the answer to that. First base is a position. Last time I checked, it's a position. Will this actually give them a wake-up call? So we can get into buyers and sellers as we go on in the coming days here. But here's the reality. Whatever direction you go, put a real first baseman there, whether it's Cassis, whether it's via trade, put a real first baseman at the position because this crap is unacceptable and we've watched it for too long and you're trying to make a run here and you lost last night because you don't have a legitimate first baseman. It's an absolute joke. It's unacceptable and it's unbecoming of the Boston Red Sox as an organization. Sorry, there's no way around it. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, I did want to get to Evaldi because this continues to be an issue. Last four starts, so the one before the IL stint and the three cents. Velocity's been down. Remember, the first one when he started against the Angels prior to the going on the IL, you could tell the velocity was down. Well, here are the numbers. Fastball velocity, last four starts, 94.5. Fastball velocity, his previous 11 starts, 96.8 miles an hour. So it's a significant drop-off more than two miles per hour. And the problem was last night when you watch Nate, he actually threw more splitters than fastballs. So he can't set up all his secondary stuff with his fastballs because his fastball doesn't have enough velocity on it right now. It's just not the same weapon. And the results have been ugly. Last four starts, 750 ERA with that lower velocity. His previous 11, there was a 341 ERA. You look at the whip, 183 in his Last four, previous 11, it was at 109, 183. I mean, that is just borderline horrific. 345 opponents batting average in his last four. Previous 11, that was at 221. And here's the thing. He can't get any swings and miss because he can't set up anything with his fastball. 14.8% strikeout rate over his last four. 
In his previous 11, he was at 22.8%. Nate's never been a massive strikeout guy, except last year the numbers were pretty good. But the problem is he's not getting swings and misses at all. We talked about this earlier in the week with Winkowski because he doesn't have a fastball. So he's pitching backwards right now. Now, sometimes that can be useful, but that he can't have a healthy diet of that. And right now, Evaldi just cannot use his fastball the same way that he could use it earlier in the season, and it's just unfortunate. The one thing I do want to say about Evaldi is if this is it for Nate, because, of course, the trading deadline is right around the corner here. The guy was an unbelievable member of this organization. And I remember when they traded for him in 18 and they sent away Jalen Beeks. Not that I thought anything of Jalen Beeks. I mean, he was a minor league prospect. You're trying to win. It felt like a weird idea at the time because you're like, okay, well, this team really needs bullpen help. You're getting a starter in Nathan Evaldi. And it turned out Evaldi <laughs> would be good in both roles because he came out of the bullpen in the postseason and he was also great just as a starter in the postseason. And then last year, the guy was outstanding. He led the entire American League in fan graphs war. He started that game against the Yankees in the postseason. Of course, the wild card game that the Red Sox would win. He's been a really good big game pitcher for this team. He's been an unbelievable professional for this team. So if this is it for Nate, great trade by Dave Dombrowski at the trading deadline in 2018 to bring him over. And he's been nothing but a great member of this organization, despite some injuries and all that. He's had two tremendous runs for this team when you look at 18 and you look at 2021. I will miss him going forward if he goes somewhere else, because obviously he's not going to be here long term. One thing I will say, though, briefly on Dombrowski, it's a theme that Dombrowski, one thing that he's really good at, we can all acknowledge, he can identify the prospects that he doesn't need. And he did that with the trade for Nate. Jalen Beeks is fine. Okay, we saw him the other night, uh, like two weeks ago, where he's very hittable. The Red Sox got to him a little bit, but they couldn't completely rough him up when he came out of the bullpen that game. But you make that trade 15 times out of 10 to get Nathan Evaldi for Jalen Beeks. You don't win a World Series at 18 without Nathan Evaldi. That was a really good thing that Dave Dombrowski did. He was unbelievable at picking out the guys you don't need. All right, another issue is J.D. Martinez. I gave you the numbers yesterday in terms of from April to the end of May and then June until he went in the IL. From a health perspective, he doesn't seem right. He got two fastballs middle-middle that should have gone out of the ballpark, and they just came up short. They didn't get deep enough, and they were both hard hit technically, not over 95, and one of them was over 100 miles an hour, but he just doesn't have the power right now, and I do wonder if that is from a health perspective. Three strikeouts at his first game back, and then, of course, last night he didn't strike out but he had two cookies that you got to take out of the ballpark, and he just didn't do it. And here's the reality with J.D., one of the unfortunate things with him. J.D. with runners in scoring position, last night 0 for 2, which is not a new thing. So if you look at your guys that are supposed to be your main run producers, your 3 and 4 hitters, with runners in scoring position, minimum 80 plenty of, minimum eighty plate appearances, I should say, this season. There are 23 qualifiers. J.D.'s had 107 plate appearances. That's eighth. He's driven in 28 runs. That's 18th out of 23. He has a 253 average. That's 19th out of 23. 765 OPS. That's 20th out of 23. Strikeout rate is at 29%. That is dead last. 23rd of 23. And he doesn't walk at all. 8.4% walk rate. 19th out of 23 qualifiers. So the problem with JD is just he has not been effective this year with runners in scoring position, and you're depending on a guy hitting third or fourth in your lineup, depending on the night. Most times it's third, but he hit fourth earlier in the season. It's just you need more from that type of player, and J.D. hasn't given you that. We'll see what happens at the trading deadline. Obviously, the Mets are hot and heavy on J.D. Martinez. They'd like to get a right-handed D.H. Their D.H. numbers are atrocious, so we'll see if he gets moved at the deadline. But to me, 
even coming back from the IL stint from the back spasms, he doesn't look like the same player right now. And one other thing I wanted to mention real briefly is we started this off with the Franchi Cordero situation. I don't know if you could have a worse night if you're Heimblum. So he gives the speech or he gives the press availability, however you want to label it, says we're trying to win right now. This comes after Josh Winkowski was absolutely lit up the night prior. He gave up the five runs in three innings and he gave up the two bombs, of course. Then Franchi Cordero, after Bloom says we're trying to win right now, has three errors that he cost the team a game. And I will say Bloom cost the team a game because of his first base situation. After the game, and I'm on Red Sox Review last night on WEI, after the game, during my show, it comes out that Andrew Benintendi has been traded to the New York Yankees. So remember, who came over in the deal for Andrew Benintendi? Franchi, the day Franchi makes three errors, Andrew Benintendi gets traded to the Yankees. And of course, this is after Josh Winkowski gets lit up. Now, look, I'm not saying that we can completely grade out this trade right now. De La Rosa's been really good at the minor league level, and he's supposed to be a good prospect for them long long term. I get all that. I'm just saying for a 24 to, say, 28-hour period, I don't think a front office could have a worse night. Now, maybe long-term De La Rosa works out and Winkowski works out, but just what has transpired recently with the Winkowski, another bad outing, Franchi Cordero, the three errors, and Andrew Benintendi goes to your biggest rival, the New York Yankees. And here's the big thing about that. So maybe these guys work out long-term, but in terms of helping this team in... 21 and 22 based on the Benintendi trade. You didn't do that at all. And now he's going to your rival, the New York Yankees, who just so happen to be one of the best teams in baseball. I don't think you can draw up a worse 28 hours for Heimblum. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.